And the title of the message this morning is Growing and Glorifying. Growing and Glorifying. And I want us to see uh, that from this text that we're going to walk through this morning. Now, as we get into Acts chapter 11, we're going to find that the events of Acts chapter 10, the things that we have looked at over the last two sermons, the last two weeks, are kind of rehashed here in this text this morning because of how incredible and impactful the work of God really was. Remember, God was confronting Peter, particularly the the sins and struggles he had around pride and traditionalism and partiality, and the result of what God did in Peter led to an incredible gift of salvation being poured out on Gentile believers in Cornelius' household there in the town of Caesarea. But what we see as we turn into Acts chapter 11 is there's a conflict that arises on the heels of all these great things having just taken place. Look there at the beginning of Acts chapter 11, verses 1 to 3 with me this morning. Now, the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, you went to eat with circumcised, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. So this is this, this conflict that's brewing here. Let me kind of explain what's, what's going on. After everything that just took place in the last two weeks, like I said, that was the, the last two sermons, Peter's life has experienced this great change, right? There were some deep strongholds of sin that were overcome in him, and the gospel spread, the word of the Lord went forward. It was powerful, it was life-changing there in Caesarea. But nonetheless, what we see here is if we are honest, something that's that's easily forgotten and is a really frustrating reality of life in this world, it's this. Other people don't always grow at the same rate and time that we do. Right? Like think about your own life and think about some of the changes happening in your life and you recognize that doesn't always happen in everyone else around me at the exact same moment. Life would be a lot easier if it did, wouldn't it? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. I think it might be. I think it might be. I remember this very vividly. Back when I was doing my undergraduate work at at Central Bible College, there were several key instances that I would look back on in those years where I was really digging deep into studying something, and I was coming to convictions and conclusions, and they were really important, really impactful on, on my life. And then I would I'd be in the midst of that, and I'd go and have a conversation with somebody, and, and I would find that they, they didn't understand what I was talking about. It wasn't as big a deal to them as it was to me, they'd never really, you know, thought that much about that topic, maybe, or most frustrating to me was just like, I I don't really, I don't really care. Like, I don't want to talk about that. Let's talk about something else. And I would find myself so very annoyed, like, don't you understand how big this is? This is life-changing to me. This is so impactful to me. And they're like, yeah, you know, wasn't the thing they were focused on in that moment. And I I struggled with that for a while, (laughs) especially as these doctrinal and theological truths were becoming so clear to me. I really felt the Lord's growing me so much in this particular area. It was really frustrating when that wasn't true of everyone else around me. Now, thankfully, I've grown quite a bit in my understanding of how God grows people since then, because if you're honest, if you approach life that way and you're always thinking about why why doesn't everyone else get what I get, see what I see, experience what I experience, you're going to live your life really, really frustrated, right? And that's not good for us personally. That's not good for our souls. And if you never come to recognize and respect how God works in other people, how God works with his people as a whole in different ways, different times, then you're going to have a really hard time of being much help to anyone else. 
Because you're always just going to be frustrated they're not focused on the thing you're focused on. But the reality is God's working on different people, on different things, for different times and different lengths of times, and that's, that's okay. So I, I'm thankful that one of the areas the Lord has grown me in is my understanding of how growth and how sanctification works. Because the reality is God does work in different people at different times for different lengths to produce different results, different growth in them. I kind of learned the reality of this through illustration as we were working on the garden the last couple of years, which I don't know what we're doing this year. We're getting late and haven't even, I haven't even tilled the soil. Not good. Anyway, but here's what I learned, and it bears with this. See, the thing is, when you put something into the garden, they don't all grow at the same time, at the same rate, right? So some things are really quick in their growth, and that's great. You get a harvest. You get a result very quickly. But some things you have to put in there, and you have to wait a little bit longer. Sometimes you have to wait quite a bit longer before you even see anything really start to take place. But it's only the foolish person who appreciates the fast-growing things and doesn't care at all about the slow-growing things, right? So, I mean, I, I love things that are rapidly growing and produce quick results. You know, radishes, lettuce, those are great. like those things. Not kale, but that's a whole other story. But as much as I like those rapidly growing things, I like things that take a lot longer too. I like the tomatoes. I like the corn. I like squash, right? And those things take longer than the rapidly growing things. So I've learned to appreciate them. I've learned to appreciate that growth happens at a different rate for different things. And I think the Lord's so wise then to, to kind of draw those words out, that kind of illustration for you and I to help think about our own growth and the growth of people around us. It's, it's really just like that. It's really just like something growing in a field or in a garden. The reality is other people don't always grow at the same rate and time that we do. And that's what Peter is experiencing here in Acts chapter 11. God has done some incredible work in Peter. God has grown Peter in a tremendous way. He's really moved on him, moved him to a deeper and greater understanding of the mission of God and his plan for the church. But not everyone else has had that same experience that Peter has had over those days that God was working on him in Acts chapter 10. God did not grow everyone everywhere at the same time in the early church so that they understood right when Peter understood this, the exact same things. So Peter spends many days in Caesarea with Cornelius' household. They're growing in their faith. They're, they're learning to really submit their lives to the Lord. It's this incredibly sweet and rewarding time of ministry. But eventually, Peter goes back to Jerusalem, back home. And the word that has spread there to them is, yeah, there's Gentiles now professing to believe and submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know what? The main focus of the message that had spread back to Jerusalem was? Peter was in the home of Gentiles, even eating with them. How unthinkable is that, right? So when Peter gets back, he's facing criticism. He's facing accusations from people who were just like Peter was before he went to Caesarea, right? Don't, don't forget that. People who are bound up in pride and traditionalism and the resulting partiality, the things that ruled Peter's own heart before God broke that in him, as we talked about the last two weeks. But now Peter's faced with a choice. What is he going to do? There's pressure coming to him from these people around him. People who he knows well, probably people that he really likes too. People who are just advocating, not for anything really super radical. They're just wanting to, to go back to the traditions that Peter himself grew up with. That Peter himself had, had always followed. The things that are really comfortable. Kind of the, the status quo of life as they had always known it. They really just are saying, Peter, Peter, we, we don't want change. 
Don't be coming in here talking about how we need to change what we're doing, how we're living, how we're focused on the mission. Peter has a choice to make. What's he going to do? Let's look at verses 4 to 17 in Acts chapter 11. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts and prey and reptiles and birds of the air, and a voice said to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. So these six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God then gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus, who was I that I could stand in God's way? So if you're here for the last two sermons, or you've just you know, read through Acts chapter 10, then, then you know Peter's just basically retelling everything that happened pretty much exactly as it happened. Fairly repetitive if you heard all those texts or just read all those texts in chapter 10. But he repeats it all for an important reason. He talks about the vision that has come from God, the crucial command there, what God has made clean, do not call common, how these visitors came at that very moment, how the Spirit told him to go on that journey there with them to Caesarea, how when Peter began to preach, he talked about who Jesus was, what Jesus had done, how Jesus had died and rose from the dead. At that proclamation of the gospel, God pours out the Holy Spirit on all those who are believing. And then Peter concludes rightly, well, since God has saved these people, since God has put the Holy Spirit upon them, then who am I to stand in God's way? Now, don't miss the reality of how Peter is wrapping up this retelling of the story, because there's real pressure on Peter. There's a real temptation here for Peter to pull back from all of this, in the midst of these people he knows, the midst of these people who want the traditions, want the comfort, want the things to just be the way they've always been, Peter's tempted to minimize what happened. Maybe even offer a little apology for breaking tradition. Guys, you know, I'm sorry. It, just, it seemed like a special circumstance. But, but hey, listen, like, I'm not going to really say we all have to change. I'm not going to push you guys to, to understand and believe what, what I felt the Lord was saying to me. Guys, it's, it's okay. It's no big deal, right? Peter feels the pressure to do something just like that. But instead, Peter conquers the temptation to pull back and let pride, traditionalism, and partiality regain priority in his heart. He could have. It was a real possibility here. It's a real possibility for you and I, even if maybe last week as we looked at how God had overcome all that in Peter, you're thinking, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the same thing. I'm going to work on that. I'm praying, God, help me with that. And, and maybe God did help you get through some of that sin. But then here you are this week, and maybe that thing's cropping back up a little bit. 
That's the temptation that Peter's facing here. It wasn't as simple as just saying one time, good, I'm over it, all done. And I'm never going to struggle with those things again. That's not how sanctification works. Can anybody testify? Amen? (laughs) Amen. But Peter here conquers the temptation to be drawn back into those sins. He understands the lesson that God has taught him. He knows how important, how necessary it is for believers to take the message of Jesus Christ out, not now, he thinks, just to Jews, but to the Gentiles as well, to people who are not like himself and those around him. And he tells of how he came to understand this. He doesn't just say, guys, I... I'm Peter, right? It's Apostle Peter, capital A, right? I was with Jesus. Just, you know, stop criticizing me, do what I say. He explains to them the word of the Lord. He explains to them what God did, what God said. And through that, through how God taught him that, he asks that question, so who was I that I could stand in God's way? Well, that's not just a statement about Peter. That's a challenge to those listening to Peter too. Are those who are listening to Peter going to now themselves try to stand in God's way? Or will they too experience growth past their pride, past their traditionalism, past their partiality? There's a choice for them to make as they hear what God has done through Peter and taught Peter. And that point touches very close to home in all of our own lives here today too. Because we have to wrestle with these same sins today The same temptations to put our traditions, to put our pride, to put our partialities above our commitment to actively following God and growing as he works in us. So the challenge of Peter's words needs to ring in our ears today too and be worked over in our hearts and be made resolves in our mind as well. Are we going to stand in God's way or are we going to grow and follow him faithfully? That's the question for us today. Are we going to overcome those same sins in our lives and see the growth that comes from obedience? Or are we going to wither in disobedience to the Lord of all? That's where we stand today. That's what we must wrestle with ourselves today. So coming back to the text, look at verse 18. Now when they heard these things, they fell silent. And then they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. What an awesome response. It was that phrase that I almost used as that subtitle for the the series today. I chose the subtitle I did for this series out of a verse we'll get to towards the end of, of the text we're looking at in Acts 9 to 14. But what an incredible response on the part of these people who initially... We're just like Peter was, right? Struggling to see how could God do something different than what we've always expected God to be doing. This response is what we should long to see. What what I think and what I know for some of you as I've had conversations with you, this is the response you do want to see when you share the gospel with someone else, right? When you share the word of the Lord with someone, you want to see this type of response in them where they're excited about what God is doing. They're submitting to what God is, is saying and expecting of them. This is often what I want for us as the pastor of this church. I'm I'm praying that as God's word is presented each and every week when we come together, that the 
the response in your heart individually as I, I pray down this list of, of the members of this church specifically and those of you who are regular attenders, I'm praying for you every week that this response would be produced in you every week. You'd come in here, you'd hear the word of God, he'd work in your heart, you'd respond to him, you'd reflect, you would, you would have his Holy Spirit change you and move you into a place of growth rather than a place of, of stagnation, that you would glorify God in a deeper way as a result of his work in you every single week. Because that's what these people do. They began to praise God, to glorify him, to embrace what it is he's doing, even though that's naturally pretty uncomfortable for them. It presses against their preferences. It means some things are going to change now in the church at Jerusalem. It looks different than what they've been doing, even enjoying, perhaps, over several years now. But their hearts are rightly set on growing and glorifying God above all. These people are willing to grow past their pasts. They understand how necessary that is in order to be connected to the mission of God. So they focus in on the key point saying, it is then to the Gentiles also that God has granted repentance that leads to life. That's the main point. That's the work that God is doing. And they understand now the primary mission is the most important thing. The mission of God, the spreading of the gospel, it's more important than their traditions. It's more important than their comfort. It's more important than their preferences. That people are being saved. Eternal destinies are being impacted. The name of Jesus is being glorified. People, once dead in sin, are finding true life in him. That's the main thing. That's what's worth praising God about. That's why they glorify him. That's worth giving up the traditions that they held to to see that happen. That's what makes embracing change exciting. That's what gives people the motivation to grow personally so they can be part of the greater outcome of the glory of God being spread in the world. Understanding these theological truths lead to practical impacts. That's true in Acts 11, and it's true today. If we understand this, if we believe this, if we really grasp this and put it in the proper category, the proper place in our hearts above those other things, it leads to impact, practical change, practical outworking in our lives. So today, the, the application that I want us to think about corporately is going to be threefold, but, but I've been praying that the Holy Spirit would also be working on you individually to, to bring to your own mind personally where perhaps the things we've talked about for the last several weeks, pride, traditionalism, partiality, prejudice, where those things may be lingering in you, I'm praying he's still going to continue working in your heart to bring those up, help you repent of those things, help you grow past those things. But corporately, I'm going to call on us as a church body, as people who gather together here, part of this place, this gathering, to do three things. We need to commit to refocusing on the mission, to growing as God intends for us, and to glorifying him in response to his work. These are the three things I want to challenge us to do today. See, the mission of the church universally, globally, no matter what name is on the church, they're a real true church of God, no matter where they exist in the world, they, they have a pretty simple mission because Jesus gave a mission to his people in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus himself says, he came to his disciples, said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you 
always to the end of the age. So this is the mission that Jesus himself has given to his people, to every local church that is established anywhere in the world at any point in time in the world. And so recognizing that reality here locally for Nelsonville Assembly, we just developed language to help us be targeted and clear on how we want to live that out right here where God has placed us, through the opportunities God has given us. Our mission statement echoes that great commission command that we just read. Our mission statement in the church is to make disciples who are growing together in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ and are proclaiming his gospel and his glory as their personal mission. And the whole basis of this statement, the whole heart of it is just, I want you to live out the great commission here, locally, (laughs) The church is all about making disciples. That's why we exist. And as we make disciples, we want to help you as disciples grow. I want you to grow personally in your walk with the Lord and then together with one another because God has sovereignly put us all together and said this is intentional. This is for our good. This is for his glory that you and I would know one another and love one another and grow with one another. And the heart of all of that is if you've become a disciple and if you're growing as a disciple, then you'd live like a disciple and you would go out and you'd proclaim the gospel and the glory of God, who he is, what he's done, what he has said to other people. That's the mission. That's why we exist. We're not, we're not just here to, to occupy a piece of land here in Nelsonville. As good as it is, we're, we're not here just to provide resources to people in the community. We're here for a particular mission to, to be made as disciples, to grow as disciples, and to make other disciples. That's the heart of why we exist. So that statement, this mission statement that we created, we, we, we built this out in 2018 through a, a group of church leaders coming together at that time and, and working out, articulating those particular words. And then every new member that has become a part of this church formally through joining the membership read that statement on the information letter and then signed on their application a commitment to be a part of that mission and support that mission and live on this mission. So we have done this 31 times since 2018. That's how many times someone has entered into new membership here since 2018. 31 times someone has said, yes, that's the mission that I want to be about. That's the mission I'm on. And as a church, we accepted someone saying, yes, this is our mission. Join us on that mission. But we need to continually remember that this is the mission. We need to regularly remind ourselves of what it is we exist to do. We need to examine our hearts personally, every one of us. Is this the focus and pursuit of our lives personally and our church? Is this what we're doing? Or have we slipped into the temptations that are so common to every one of us, temptations of pride and traditions, into the comfort of the status quo, into the partiality of thinking our ways and the people we have that are just like us, well, we're we're all good. In fact, you know, we're probably the best there is. We don't really need to change. (laughs) Because we can all struggle with that individually, and we can struggle with that as a body, too. These are temptations we have to be aware of. These are important questions we have to work through, and we have to be regularly refocusing on the mission. So that's the first call to us today as a corporate body. The second thing that I want to call us towards today is a commitment to growth, I've read and I've referenced the scripture time and time again to you because it really is such a clear and crucial banner text, I think, for the Christian life. 2 Peter 3.18 tells us, grow 
in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. If I were to to tie this point into the things we've talked about in, in this series already, as we looked at the life of Cornelius and how he was obedient, how obedience had been produced in him as a soldier, and the challenge, the example that is to us, if we talk about tying it into that idea, or to the whole point of the All Authority series that we did earlier this year, or the One Another series that we did in the fall of last year, and pretty much every other series we've ever done here, because this is so foundational to just basic to what it means to be a Christian, You and I, if we are God's people, must submit to and obey the commands of God. If we claim to be his followers, but we don't really follow him, we're not his followers. He really isn't our Lord and master if we don't submit to his authority. Jesus himself says, you do not really love me. And you are not really one of my sheep if you do not do my will and walk in my ways. Obedience matters to God. It's not how we're saved. He's not looking for who are the most obedient people on earth. Okay, now I will choose to love them. Now they've earned salvation, so I'll give it to them because they've worked really hard for it. No, we're saved by grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ alone. But Once we are saved, once we are his, once we're adopted into the family, sealed with the Holy Spirit as every person who trusts in Jesus Christ is, then we're called to live in obedience. We walk in obedience as a result of being part of his family. So when we read this command, we need to take it as a serious command. It's not an option. It's not a suggestion. It's not a message for someone else. It's a command to, from God to you, to me, personally, and to us as his people in this place. We need to desire and long for and pursue growth. Friends, it's not enough to just try and get by in your relationship with God by giving him a couple hours a week when you show up to church. We have to be engaging with him actively as our pursuit, the longing of our heart, the main focus in our lives. We need to read his word. We need to pray regularly. We need to worship with focused minds and hearts. We need to connect with the people of God that he's put around us for our good and to help us grow. And of course, we need to be on the mission that he has given us the command to go and do. I want us to be a people committed to growth. It really is my daily prayer for myself personally, Lord, grow me today. I don't want to be stagnant. I don't want to be complacent. I want to be closer to you today than I was the day before. And that's my prayer for this church too. That's the effort that I'm trying to put into the work of the ministry that I do as your pastors. I want to do things and help you as a group of people and you as individuals grow closer to God constantly, day by day, week by week. When I sit down and I look at a calendar for this whole year, I don't see, well, okay, there's some really important days on the calendar and there's some that just don't matter all that much. When I'm looking at that calendar, I'm saying this Sunday matters. God wants to do something on this Sunday and that Sunday and that Sunday. And that's all the way down. Every single Sunday, I'm saying God wants to grow this church, grow the individuals that come together. So, so none of these for me are just, well, you know, the important ones next time. 
Like this day matters. Every gathering matters. Every opportunity matters. There are opportunities for us to grow. And I want us to seize them and take them. I've been so encouraged with the services that we've been having lately. I mean, I just feel like God's been very gracious to us, right? Giving us some wonderful times of worship. There's been some weeks where, I mean, it's just, uh, Wendy can probably hear up here, although she, you know, she sings fairly loud, so maybe she doesn't hear all of you. But I can hear you singing, and there's just such sweet worship that's taking place in some of our services. There's just these moments where I'm like, yes. God is really at work in his people here through the worship. Or God is really producing change as I've seen the results of the word being heard and obeyed and applied. Praise God for that. The spirit and the fellowship of our church has been so great. And I'm praising God for that. And I want us to pursue more of that. I hope you do too. So finally, the last challenge for us this morning is this, that we need to be people who are committed to glorifying God in response to what he does. Colossians 3.17 tells us, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's one of my favorite verses. Because I'm such a nerd with my books, I have an embosser that I stamp my, my books with. And I, gotta, I only do it at certain times because I gotta be like really precise. You know, I want it to look really good. And I emboss on the front page this thing. It says, from the library of Isaiah and Malia Jesh. In the center of it, it has the reference to that text, Colossians 3.17. It's so crucial that no matter what I do, no matter what book I pick up, I'm wanting to glorify God and praise him through reading that, through studying that, through being able to apply those things. And here's the reality, is, is it's just so easy to miss so much in life, isn't it? I think a lot about how fast Noah is growing over here. I think about the fact that Julia's going to turn five in two months. You know, she, she, was, she wasn't even one when we moved here. <laughs> Tobiah graduates from second grade in two weeks. Like, what, where'd the time go, you know? I think about these things, and I realize life goes really fast, and it's really easy to miss things. Really easy to miss things. The same is true with our walk with God. We can get busy. We can get so focused on other things that sometimes we can really fail to respond in worship and thanksgiving to God, as we should, because we're just trying to get through the day. And I've been there a lot the last several months. But I'm praying that we would be intentional to look for things to celebrate, more and more as this year goes on, that we would become quick to offer glory to God. We would not let life lead us to misplace our focuses, to distract us. In just a few minutes, we're going to have the chance to look at a couple things that, that I, help, I think will help us celebrate and glorify God in our, in our business meeting. We're going to look at some ways that God's raising up servants here and people investing in the church and, and the blessings of how we've been able to use finances and resources and some of the vision God's given us for the future and exciting things that, that lay ahead. And that's great. I'm hoping that'll produce in you a heart ready to glorify God for his work. And as I announced right before the sermon, right, we have the opportunity to glorify God and thank him and praise him for the two new missionary partnerships that we have, the opportunities that are there to invest in the kingdom of God, expanding and, and ways through that for our prayers and our hearts to be opened up to the, the broader world and this big mission of God that's so close to his own heart, right? And like I said, week after week, we're given this blessed opportunity to come together, the freedom to come together in this place and sing openly and focus on God himself without any fear of persecution. 
I mean, you all sit here looking this direction during, during worship, right? Our eyes are all focused up here, and none of us need to be worried that someone's busting through the back door to start dragging us off to prison. That's a great blessing from God that we have right now. We may not always have it, but we have it right now. We have the gift of getting to hear the word of God preached in a language we understand, hearing his voice speak to us through his word. And we have the time, the intentional space every single week, not, not just because it's something to do, not because it's something, you know, some book somewhere said, you need to end your services this way, because we believe that if we create space and time for us to come and respond to God and be made ready for the days ahead, that it matters to our lives, it gives us great opportunities that really impact us, we have this freedom every single week. You have this opportunity every week. So listen, my point is you have a lot to thank God for to glorify God for. And so we need to hear this challenge today, and we need to respond by being people who do that. The people in Acts chapter 11 here, they had struggles. The same struggles you and I have so many times. The struggle of wanting to move past their pride, their traditions, their partialities. But what we read in Acts 11 is that God worked in them to actually move them past all of that, didn't he? He actually shaped them. When his word was shared with them, he caused them to respond in the way that glorifies him. That they were able to refocus on the importance of the mission and understand the mission of God rightly. They were able to experience themselves spiritual growth to put to death those sins and walk in the ways of God. And they responded by glorifying him for all of those things. So, The goal, my prayer this week, this morning, as I'm praying over this sermon and working through all of this, and I'm praying, Lord, do that same kind of work in us here today. We need to commit to refocusing on the mission, to growing as God intends, and to glorifying him in response to his work. And I'm praying that's the result of today, the result of right now. Worship team, would you come this morning and lead us in a final song of worship? And like I said, we have these moments, not just because they're moments to tack on to the end of a service, but because it's an intentional time, intentional space for us to respond to God, to have him work in us, to have him make us ready for what lies ahead, which none of us know, none of us know. But today we have this opportunity to come and to repent of our own sins and lay those things down, to ask his help for our needs, to bring before him just things that would distract us and say, Lord, take these from me that I would focus more fully on you and the mission you have entrusted to us. So the altars are open if you want to come and pray. Any need, every need, anyone, everyone is welcome. We'll sing for a few moments, then I'll come back, we'll We'll have an opportunity to talk about the transition to the business meeting and, and we'll do all of that and then we'll go eat and we'll fellowship and we're going to have a wonderful afternoon. But, but let's not rush through this moment, this time, this opportunity for response. Let's sing and pray and respond to the Lord. Father, we thank you for this opportunity for us to, to slow down for just a few minutes and to, to think over what it is that, that you have said to us through your word today to this challenge to each one of us, Lord, that you have given us, that you have have invited us into considering and then responding to. And Lord, I pray that that every heart in this room, every one of us, Lord, would would be filled with a deep desire to get closer to you, to long for growth spiritually, 
to want to see the mission of God expand, not just around the world, not in Ecuador and Ukraine and Poland. We, we want those things. We long for those. We pray you do great works there. But, but Lord, we also want that here, that you would help us accomplish this mission and, and be used by you as the, the people put here by your sovereign hand. God, help us have a passion for that, an excitement for that, joy from that. And Lord, help us to glorify you in everything that we do, every situation, even the difficult times, the hard things, Lord. Help us to know your presence is there. Help us to sense you're your walking with us through them and to give you the glory, to give you the praise, to worship you at all times and all things. And we thank you for this great gift that you've given us today. And we ask for you to, to continue to bless us, to continue to draw near us, to continue to lead us to glorify you in all that we say and all that we do. In your beautiful name, we pray, Lord Jesus, and everyone said.